Welcome to Gramlin United Methodist Church. Before getting to Rick's sermon, I did want to let you know what our services are for Holy Week. This Thursday, we'll have a Monday Thursday service at 12 p.m. followed by lunch. On Friday, we will have a Good Friday service at 7 p.m. On Saturday, we have an Easter egg hunt from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Then on Easter, we have a sunrise service at 6.30 a.m. in the sanctuary followed by a breakfast. We have a regular Easter service at 11 a.m. in the sanctuary. We hope you can join us. Now to Rick's sermon, The Crowd and the Cross. In May 1975, I was sitting across the table from a beautiful woman uh, before she was my wife, and uh, it was the prom, my senior prom. Big crowd of people, the gym was all decked out, and you know how they decorate everything, and the band, man, we walked in that band, and my heart was reverberating. I mean, that band was loud. Man, I'd never been around music like that before. And, and uh, there was huge drapes. This typical high school that was built in 1957, by the way. And it had these big drapes up on the stage where the band was. And when they set that band up, they had put this big old high-powered mic. I mean, not mic, an amp over next to that drape. And those things put out a lot of heat. So we're sitting there just partying around and talking and the, the, everything's going well and there's smoke starts coming out of that, uh, around that drape. And I, I thought it was part of the show. I, as far as I, you know, a little smoke, a little, you know, no big deal, but it was a real fire and uh, smoke. And, and, and so I think most of the crowd just thought it was a part of the, the act and, but it was a real smoke. And uh, until my brother, my, he was my, he's my half brother actually, and my brother Ollie, he, he jumped. Now he's, he's in the midst of all this prom and he's decked out in his tux and all that kind of stuff. And he goes and he jumps up on the stage and he jerks that curtain down, or we may have had a real disaster there that evening. Crowds operate very differently than individuals. There's been a lot of work done in the psychology field around crowd mentality. The bigger the crowd, the more complacent people are in that crowd. If you just got just a very few people, they're much more uh, tend to act in a, in a tragic situation than a large crowd. Super scary protest and mob rule takes over and people can get really hurt. There's no space for individual thoughtfulness in the midst of mob rule. No time for reflection, just this immediate mass response. There's usually two sides in the crowd, whether it's a, a packed stadium or a baseball game or a political rally. There's those that are for and there's those that are against. And often the balance is delicate and fragile because a crowd can turn on you in an instant. The crowd that Jesus faced in these days at Jerusalem, they were, they were both. When he entered Jerusalem, it was a cheering crowd, a very supportive crowd. And that's the crowd we meet on Palm Sunday. But watch out, Jesus. Just in a few days, those same people that are cheering you coming into town is going to be jeering you. Those same crowd is going to turn against you. Those same people are going to be very different just in a few days. Those cheering are going to turn to jeering and uh, because Jesus attracted crowds wherever he went. He was a very charismatic person. This one who called himself the son of God. People came from far away to, to hear, to, to witness the amazing things that they had both heard and witnessed themselves. And the great loving sermons that he had, the, the miracles that he performed. 
But in any crowd, then and now, there's two kinds of people, the believers and the doubters. And we see this very often in the Bible. We see the reactions to crowds in other circumstances to the, and the onlookers. In most cases in the scripture, when, when Jesus healed somebody, there was always those naysayers. There was always somebody there that just didn't quite catch what had happened. And later when we look past Good Friday to, to through Easter and all the way into Pentecost, to the time when the, the Spirit of God descended upon the people of God and the tongues of the, the flame and the power of God. They begin to speak in other languages. They understood each other. And we see the onlookers, they're looking on. And, and what we're seeing is a miraculous event. And what people looking on see, they're having a big drunken party. They're all filled with new wine, they said. So as this crowd begins to take shape, as this mob rule becomes uh, the sentiment of the crowd, as it solidifies into just basically a mob, the mind of the crowd moves from one side to the other. That can be a very scary event. And if you're in such a crowd, there's only a couple of safe ways to behave. Either you go along with the crowd or you keep quiet because if you don't agree, you better stay silent or you better leave quietly or you're going to be trampled under the foot of the crowd. My mom used to tell me if the crowds were doing it, it's probably wrong. <laughs> and we see the crowds today in our society, don't we? We see our crowds today following many sinful ways. They have proclaimed the lies so long that they believe their own deceitfulness. Godless, godlessness of all sorts is regular fare in our homes. Let me turn on any one of your TVs and I'll show you what I mean. Oh, preacher, grow up. Get with the crowd. Get, we're past this sin stuff. The Lord knows my heart. Yeah, the Lord knows your heart. And many will wake up in a devil's hell wondering what went wrong. Amen or ouch. Somebody should have said ouch, preacher. <laughs> There's a big crowd in Jerusalem that day. Lots of people who didn't even know who Jesus was. All they knew that he was the talk of the town. He, everybody was chattering about who Jesus was. It was Passover time and the Jews were coming in from the countryside gathering all around to celebrate the feast of the Passover. There would be Jews there from faraway places. They'd come maybe once in a lifetime. They would have this experience to come into Jerusalem to honor their religious beliefs and traveling great distances. And back in those days, you know, the word travel comes from the word travail. And if you know what tra traveling in those days, now today we get in a big old fine $50,000 vehicle and cruise on a big interstate, air conditioned and, and a big bottle of pop in our hand. Amen. It's not travailing. You're not travailing one bit. Nobody travailed to get to church this morning. But back then, travel was travail. It was dangerous to travel. And they traveled from all over the countryside through places where there was robbers and thieves and people would beat you up and mug you. And perhaps once in a lifetime, they'd get to do this. Going to the holy city. The most holy of all the feasts was the feast of the Passover. And these crowds this day, they were in a happy mood. They were ready to, for a parade. I imagine if they'd have had fire trucks, they had, there would have probably been two. Maybe even a ladder truck with a couple flags would have been there. 
They're ready for a parade. And Jesus, knowing the mood of the city just before the Passover, he knew the prophecies concerning how the Messiah would enter, knowing that what would come later, that he would enter into the city on a donkey with the disciples beside him. For those who have eyes to see, it's very significant the choice of animals that he used. Conquering heroes and generals and kings, they would have the finest and the biggest of the stallions to come in on. But this Messiah, he come in a much more humble fashion on a donkey, just as prophesied by the prophets. And on this day, and on this crowd, the Spirit of God had descended and they were shouting, Hosanna. They were glad to see Jesus coming into, coming into Jerusalem. We're singing, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The disciples must have thought, man, I picked the right ticket. I, I got the right, I chose the right person. I, everything's going to be okay. Success at last. Where's those arrogant Pharisees now, they must have thought. We've got it made with Jesus. We just got on the right bandwagon. The people are all for him. They recognize that he is the promised son of David. It won't be long now. Everything's going our way, those disciples must have thought. But Jesus, he knew what was coming. He knew even as the people shouted Hosanna on Sunday, he knew, he knew what was coming on that Friday. He knew what was happening. He knew that same crowd would shout crucifying before Pilate. He knew. He knew what was coming before him. He knew they would shout, let him be crucified, the same one that was shouting Hosanna a few days before. And that's when Pilate asked, what evil has been done? As we all shout all the more, let him be crucified. And so Pilate released Barabbas for them. They flogged Jesus. They handed him over to be crucified. How quickly things can change. One week, a hero. The next week, a victim, a person, an object to be spit upon, to be scorned, to be beaten and killed. How quick things changed. And yet we here are today, the Sunday before the Friday, with all of our palm leaves and singing praises and to Jesus. We've cheered with the crowd. We've cheered for Jesus, and rightly so. He deserves all those cheers. But we've also, we understand, we cheered with a heavy heart with the knowledge of what's to come. We think about this week and if, what, if that we're closer to Christ and to the knowledge and the real situation that the disciples, they didn't have a clue what was going on. But we do. We have the, we have the, 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 the uh, advantage of the history. Jesus knew he was dying. He knew that Jesus, Judas would betray him. He knew that Peter would deny him. That the disciples would abandon him. He knew that the crowd would call for his death. He knew that was to come and yet he ate and drank with Judas. And yet he prayed with Peter. He knew and yet he called all his disciples the same ones that he knew they were going to get out of Dodge as soon as the trouble hit. He knew and he prayed and he called them his friends. He taught in the marketplace and healed those who come before him. Jesus knew and we know. We know his part. We know our part and we know and we've celebrated. And we've come here to celebrate this day 
we must cheer for life knowing that death follows. We must praise Jesus and call him Lord even though that we like all the others have failed him too. We too have denied Jesus. We too have fallen short of, of God's glory. We must cheer. We must remember that Jesus knows who we are and who we are and what we've done. And yet he's still come to lay his life down for us. As I wrote my prayer this very morning, I, I was reminded of Garth Brooks' song. Y'all ever heard that song, I've Got Friends in Low Places? Do you know that song? Now it's not about, it's nothing to do with religious. It's got whiskey and beer in it and all kinds of stuff in that song. But thank God that Jesus didn't come for the people in the palaces. He came for the people in low places. Those who were caught with the tenacity of death and sin and shame that destroys our lives. The guilt we have of what we've done in the past. He come to set us free. Thank God that Jesus had friends in low places. And those friends are you and I. Regardless of what your status is in this world, you have fallen short of God's glory. Regardless of how much you have or don't have, you have fallen short of that which God would proclaim for you and want for you. He come to the low places of our lives, not to live in the palaces, but to dwell with us. He come through a manger riding a donkey to come into the low places of our heart to come to dwell where we are that we might be where he is in Jesus' name. We see the palm branches of Hosanna today but they're woven into a cross of rejection tomorrow. And yet it's an empty cross a cross that speaks of resurrection, a cross that speaks of forgiveness, a cross that speaks of the greatest holy mystery of all time, this cross upon which Jesus died. It's a cross that the crowd can never accept, a mystery with, with, with you and I that we can never truly understand it. How could God love somebody like me that's fallen so short of his grace and his mercy? How could God love me in spite of myself? A mystery which you and I cannot truly understand. But this morning, all it takes is our faith in him, in our hearts. That our earthly despair will be turned into the triumph of victory in Jesus Christ. Hosanna, Hosanna on this day of celebration. And may we be strengthened for the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's bow our heads just for a moment. Is Jesus the Lord of your life this morning? Is Jesus the Lord of your life this morning? I don't know what you've done, where you've been, what's happened in your life, what's been done to you through other people. I don't know what kind of life that you've been dealt but regardless of all of that Jesus came to the lowest of places to the low places in our hearts that we might know life and know it abundantly in Jesus name I pray that every person that walks out this door can say with certainty and confidence that Jesus Christ is my Lord amen